0: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Website for details. This is Jason Douglas from CultureCast Radio and you're listening to the 4D Podcast Network. Welcome back to Home Alone. I am your host, Michael Malone. Uh, this this week's episode is uh, is kind of a throwback. This is one of the last episodes I recorded before the big break, and it's with Eric Christensen. He's a documentary filmmaker. Uh, incredible conversation. However, it's it's a little dated because it was you know about a year ago when things were still uh, you know we, we live in such a crazy time with COVID where. It's always changing. There's always new rules. There's always this and that. It's so it was so bizarre to listen back to this episode and hear our conversation and see where we were as a as as a community, as Americans, uh, as uh, prisoners, <laughs> whatever you want to state it as. Uh, but it was uh, it's so bizarre, and it, you know. This reminds me of those times in your life cuz we're always changing. Well, hopefully you're always changing, right? You're always evolving. You're always I feel like every 6 months you're pretty much a, a new person or you have some new outlooks or new things about yourself and so it was so interesting to listen to our conversation and hear the outdated uh, talk that we were having, you know. We were talking about things like um Maddie still being, you know, homeschooled part-time and only going part-time back to school. And now she's she's been back in school full-time, in-person learning, you know, this whole time she's been going on dates. We went on trips together. Things have been fully opened, you know. It's just so bizarre to even think there was a time where that wasn't life. And I think that speaks to trauma as well, because that's what... That's what he makes documentary films about. My guest today, he he talks a lot about soldiers coming home from war and finding their their new footing and and trying to readjust to life. And that's what it's about is finding this new footing and letting go of those past uh, issues and problems and traumas and being able to move forward. And I f- I feel like this this goes so hand in hand, and I, it's actually gift and curse that. I didn't air this episode then and I'm airing it now because it is such a full circle moment and again such a a, a bizarre look into the past. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking like it was 10 years ago. It feels like that, right? Doesn't it feel like in COVID times that everything is either a week ago or 10 years ago? That's, That's the way it feels. I know since I've been back on tour and I've been going to these these clubs that I used to go to visit once a year, it felt like no time had passed and it felt like ten years had gone by at the same time. It's such a bizarre thing that we've all been through, uh. But yeah, and we, and we talk about that. We talk about trauma and 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 these masks that we wear. Um, because this new documentary film is called Unmasking Hope and it's all about that these these kind of masks that we wear as as people when we're going through trauma that we we, we just smile and nod and we act like everything's okay when really we're falling apart inside. And, and that's what his new documentary is about. And I'm so excited to see it. It's not out yet. He's still trying to raise money for it, which you can uh, help if you want to at unmaskinghope.com. Or you can check out some of his other films at ecproductions.com. Such an interesting conversation. I'm going to get right into it. I'm just blown away, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm blown away by listening back to this episode and maybe you're going to feel the same way after it's over, you're going to be like, wow, I forgot about this, or I forgot about feeling this way, or or having, you know, whatever. Um, Anyways, I hope you enjoy, it's a great conversation, and and I'm so excited to share it. Uh, So without any further ado, Eric Christensen. Even I, I even hate this phrasing, but because uh, I've, I've vowed going back to, to stand up comedy, not to talk about the pandemic. I don't want to hear jokes about, it. <laughs> the, you know, the two things I don't want to hear about is Trump or COVID or the pandemic. Like, I don't want to hear any jokes. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I want to act like nothing happened and just move on with our lives. But it it's something that I feel like we're all going to carry with us mentally and the discussion that I keep getting roped into is the effect that it's going to have on kids in this past you know, year and a half with uh, being disassociated with their friends and living their life pretty much even more online than they already were. And that trauma and disconnect that goes along with, with carrying that weight with them. Um, is this something that you uh, are talking about and experiencing as well? Uh, you know, are the conversations geared more towards children or more towards adults when we're talking about the weight of the pandemic uh, moving forward?
1: In, in my film, that's that's so funny you mention it, because we did go back and do some like uh, Zoom interviews that we were thinking, including in the film with some of the trauma survivors one of the 9-11 responders in particular. You know, and he was talking about, he, had ha- he hadn't he had seen that uh, that uh, medical ship, the Hope or whatever, come into New York since 9-11. And it brought back a lot of stuff. And not only that, you know, being uh, isolated is exactly what you don't want to do when when you have mental health issues. And, uh, mm-hmm. but but I got to go, I got to go with you. We're, we're thinking and not. Bringing it into the film, it, it it's a it's a left turn, you know. We've all went through a lot, and uh, you know, and I think this film is uh, unmasking hope is really focusing on, you know, life after trauma. And 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 I'm not saying that the pandemic wasn't this grading low level trauma that didn't seem to go away for a long time
0: yeah it, it was like the never-ending story it was it just kept dry. you. you know we were told it would just be a couple of weeks and it, uh, it'd just be till summer and then it was like and then by Christmas you're like we're never getting
1: out of this <laughs> <laughs> so much and you know my my number one job is being a dad and I, I, you know my kids are my kids are all grown pretty much I mean once 23 and the others uh 22, and he goes, he plays football back at Harvard, then my, then my daughter is, uh, is just graduated from Emerson in Boston. And I see the effects on them, you know, the whole football program being shut down after my son worked his ass off to get to where he was, was a huge thing for him to overcome. You know, oh, it's yeah. like, I mean, I, I, my whole life, I've like, this was my goal. And then it was snatched away from me thank God he has one more year and he's going to hopefully play next year. It looks good. Same with my daughter, you know, she worked to get to Emerson um, college in Boston and, you know, she did the community college thing and everything. And then she got there and a whole year of her time there was COVID. So her whole college experience ended up being isolating and it, it, you know, it results in a lot of, a lot of issues, you know, I see a lot of depression and a lot of serious issues in in college age kids, not to mention the younger kids. I, I have no idea. I thank God that I don't have any toddlers running around right now. Yeah, it's crazy. We
0: have um, it's a little bit of a gift and a curse here because uh, we have a 14 year old here at the house and she's been homeschooling for the past year and a half um and she's been dealing with that and that disconnect and you know trying to she's she's back in 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 in-person learning which is (laughs) a a new term that we've all just started using like it's been around for 10 years you know (laughs) is it in-person learning you're like what do you fuck um yeah we're just so used to it already but um she's back to in-person learning a few days a week but not all the time and then my girlfriend works uh, as the dietitian for the men's and women's basketball teams at ucla and oh, so really? it's interesting, yeah, so it's interesting you brought up the sports aspect of it because you know uh you, we we tend to forget all the things that that go along with schooling and sports is a big part of it for a lot of people and when you go to college and you're playing at a college level and you're looking at you know getting scouted and scholarships and all of the things that go with that, a year off is a big deal um yeah. and these students i mean they had they had players that uh, couldn't, you know, they were supposed to come in and play, but couldn't travel, and they couldn't get because of the testing and COVID had them on lockdown and this and that. I mean, their women's team uh, played with I think eight or nine players the entire season, and they right. had three or four players that were supposed to come in from Australia and 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 the UK, and and they just couldn't come over, and so they were you know short-handed, not only short-staffed, and even on campus it was just my girlfriend and the coaches. There's nobody else, you know, the athletes of course, but like nobody else is allowed to be around them. It's, it's on lockdown. It's very isolated. They have testing on site, you know, before the practice, you know, or during the lunch or whatever, you're not allowed to, to, to sit together. It, that disassociation that goes along with uh, that, this, this pandemic with these younger kids It's I I feel like especially with um, Maddie, our 14 year old, especially with her, they're already so disconnected. You know, everything is online. Everything is Snapchat and TikTok. And, you know, uh, I can't imagine what this is going to do to uh, to the youth, you know, uh, five, 10 years from now.
1: You know, and and that's, you know, I mean, then I I think about my kids when they were toddlers or, or a little bit younger, you know, five, six or so you know, and the, I was out, I was out at, um, at Hollywood beach, you know, my wife and I were hanging out and we see this whole family come to the beach and they're wearing, and I don't want to get political, but they're wearing masks at the beach, you know, and these little kids are sitting there at the beach with masks on. And the first thing I thought is like, man, it's like, that's imprinting a lot of fear, you know? And I'm like, and I guess that's just, I don't know what comes with that, but I don't know how you handle the amount of like that starting to get scared of everything. You're starting to get scared of interaction, starting to at such a young age. And I'm like, mask at the beach. And I don't want to open up a political thing. Right. I, I don't think I don't think the beach was like a central you know, a spreader of. Unless
0: you're down in Tampa where, I mean, I'm sure you've seen those photos where people are literally on top of each other. And you're like, what are we, we deserve this. What are we doing? (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's different out where, you know, where, where I live, uh, you know, out out towards Ventura there, the beaches are, are less populated. So even our beach during the entire pandemic, I mean, you maybe saw 10 or 15 people out, you know, and they were spread out or this or that. And, you know, you're outdoor, even hiking, you know, we, we hike a lot and stuff like that. And, um, you know, you, you, you cover your face when you pass by somebody or whatever, but that's, you know, every 11, 12 minutes, (laughs) you see somebody (laughs) to to wear it the whole time or to again, like like what you're saying to invoke that, uh, that fear culture of like, be covered at all times, even when you're outdoors, even when you're spread out, even when it's, you know, not not a threat. That's that's something different.
1: I, I did see a picture of a guy wearing a mask while he was in the ocean too. So no, my I'm I don't know if it was a joke or not, but I'm like, I don't know. At this point, like <laughs> you, what you were saying, I don't know if it's a joke or not. I mean, it's like, are you right. kidding? You know, when I go, when I go, I, I went to the movies for the first time and I love going to the movies and, and and they, it's like the butter comes in this separate little thing. And I didn't, I don't ever want to see the butter. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted all my popcorn and, and they gave it to me in this little clear thing. And I'm like, is this a joke? And like it's it just it, it's things of like yeah. i'm mean, sure as a comedian it's like you're like oh my gosh but you're like okay i don't even want to go there with that but
0: oh it's so I mean, funny i don't know if
1: it's a joke or not you know a mask in the ocean i mean come on
0: so. yeah the, it's so funny to bring up the butter thing now that now we we've, we've gotten to these these precautions that are a lot looser but they're still not all the way free right so we yeah. I, I was i went to chipotle to pick up some food and i uh, at the last minute, I was like, Oh, I'm going to pick up a drink too. And so I ordered just a, you know, a Diet Coke out of the, the fountain and they had, they took the, the, the uh, little uh, cup, they walked it over there with me, you know, side by side, <laughs> we're shoulder to shoulder walking over to the machine. They filled it up for me, put the, and gave it,
1: I'm like, I I could do that. Like we're I, I'm laughing this because that sad? just happened to me the other day. I'm like, uh, you know, some rest I don't know, some restaurants almost seem clinical about it. Then others, you know, it's like, I don't know, down, you know, down where you are in Ventura, there, there's a place called the Lookout Bar. Shout out to the Lookout. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like the, there was never a pandemic in there.
0: You know? right. <laughs> it was yeah, like, it was <laughs> There's definitely certain places you go and you're like, "Had do they not get the news? They don't. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny. But, but, you know, going with the idea of of these traumas that we deal with, a lot of people define trauma as this big event, right? But you forget that these everyday occurrences, these little things can count as trauma as well. And I, I find it hard to, you know, you, you brought up earlier about the, the, the younger generation about how it affects their depression and this and that, you know, I struggled with depression for many years, and I was afraid to come forward with it or even admit that I had it, because it felt too trendy. It felt like everybody was tweeting or, you know, talking about having anxiety and depression and this younger generation coming up after me, you know, uh, I'm in my thirties and it it felt like all these, you know, 25 year olds and, and younger were talking about how they're depressed and they have anxiety. And it was like, oh, well, maybe it's just, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just falling victim to this, to thinking I'm depressed because it's the quote unquote trendy thing and that was hard for me to 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 really uh focus on and discover like you know know, is this really depression or am i falling victim to again you know
1: and and that's a crazy cycle you know and and i see it in the people that even with you know what you would call severe trauma but you know going back to the definition of trauma trauma is not a quantitative kind of thing you know it's it's really to the individual and, you know, and that's something I've learned in literally working with dozens of trauma survivors from veterans to 9-11, you know, and, and to the, you know, uh, other traumas, sexual trauma and things like that. It's it just, but trauma is not a quantitative, it's, it's trauma comes down to the worst thing, basically, that's happened to you. But it can also be a cumulative trauma. You know, you can have these like, I don't want to call them micro traumas, because it sounds too trendy again, but. You have these low-level traumas and things continually happen to you, and then you start to produce, you know, it produces anxiety and depression and things like that, some of the uh, more outward symptoms. And then you get into the loop that you're talking about. You know, you can't solve your own problems with the same head that's come up with the problem and so (laughs) so you're thinking i'm not depressed well am i depressed then you go then you're down at the lower part i'm not depressed because i couldn't be then you're like wait i'm depressed and i'm not and that cycle starts and um you know that's when that's you know if you're having those thoughts then maybe you are actually have you know some depression and anxiety and things and it's worth it's worth talking about you know and it's it's worth you know seeking somebody out to to you know to kind of release some of that, it's funny because I'm in a, I'm in this strange phase now. I'm getting these strange anxieties. I'm like, where is this stuff coming from? And I'm like, do I need to go back and you know and and speak to a professional and stuff and see really you know what the core of some of this is, you know? And and that's the main thing is being truthful to yourself and to somebody else, and you can like start to release some of that yeah
0: and it, it's so funny you you brought up like like checking on yourself this this idea of like am am i this or am i that i i compare it to like you know when you when it, there's, sometimes when i get high i'll ask myself i'm like am i high and i'm like if i'm asking myself if i'm high
1: okay,
0: right. odds are i'm fucking baked uh <laughs>
1: it, it's, that, with- it's that first person conundrum you know you're in your own head <laughs> and it's like well, I'm going to solve this, you know? And it's like, no, exactly. wait, hold on. You're, it's the same brain that came up with this. You're not necessarily going to solve it because it's going to do an in-run on you. <laughs> yes.
0: I and uh, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up, like, like it is the the idea of, you know, uh, you, you have to do the work. And when it comes to self-care and all that stuff, that's what I tell people all the time. It has to start with you. And you have to ask those questions. You have to ask those hard questions um you know really have a check-in with yourself am i feeling this way because it's easy i mean if you webmd anything now you look you google anything and you have it you know what i mean (laughs) there's enough symptoms for anything and you're like well that's it i have aids i i had a runny (laughs) nose yesterday and now i got you know you're like you don't know that so you have to ask yourself the really hard questions and go past just the you know the the three question checklist that you googled or whatever you have to really have a sit down and and do a check in because only you can do that. You can't ask your friends, you know, hey, am, am I depressed? I mean, they can give you a little bit of a read on on your status, but they're not going to be able to to give you the 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 deep, you know, dark, real answers that you
1: need in order to start getting better. Yeah, and I fully agree with that. And you know, I, I've been I've been clean and sober now through the grace of God and uh, uh, an amazing program, and I have. I have a mentor, basically, that I meet with every week because I need to write, run, you know, I, I need to run my amazing ideas by him because, um, you know, living inside this head here, it's not the best part of town sometimes. And I need to, <laughs> I need to, I need to check in with somebody else that's been there that I, I trust. And, you know, I, I don't see, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit older. You know, 58 years old and, and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I don't see how men my age, you know, they, they run as a self-will run riot, you know, quite often. And I need I need that check-in and I need that sometimes assurance, but most of the time that little bit of correction on what's going on up here. You know, because as we said, I can't do it myself. It's like my own shitty thinking got me into got me into these situations. It got me into, you know, the whole reason why I had to get clean and sober. My my brain doesn't work right sometimes. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, and that's okay. And I think that's a big part of it is allowing yourself to know that there are some broken pieces to just know that, you know what, I'm not okay. And that's, and that's fine. Especially I'm glad you you brought up the the idea of being a, a man, and because it it is that it be you know I grew up in a in the '80s where in the Midwest where you know you didn't talk about your feelings if you were a dude you didn't there were no commercials talking to us directly about mental health and especially in your generation you're talking about you know uh, people in their in their fifties and up uh that's you know you put some salt on it and you fucking walk it off there are there is no yeah. asking for help there is no what am i going to do what, what do you mean what are you going to do you're going to feel better <laughs> you know knock it off <laughs> you know um so i think uh you know when it comes to trauma and and dealing with it i think that in this country especially uh you know with with america being you know i talk about this all the time america being so alpha and so this bravado that we have that we're the best we're number one don't fuck with Texas we're the Marlboro man you know we, we have a lot of, we have a lot of barriers set up uh, between men and seeking out mental health uh, services
1: you know I, I fully agree on that but also you know with the women too you know it's like one of, one of the participants and actually she's been in two of my films is a, a female uh, veteran that was in Iraq that drove over numerous IEDs, and then she had military sexual trauma. She had a perpetrator that was above her in rank, and so, but she, you know, she made it through. She's she's badass, you know. It's funny because you look at her and she's a tiny, pretty little girl. You're like, <laughs> yeah, you're like she carries an AR. What you know, but uh, but she is. But the problem is, you know, it's the problem being able to. In that culture, in the military culture, it's it's even tougher to come out and say, you know, I'm, I'm having some pretty serious problems with this, you know, because... And then they're scared of being labeled with PTSD. They're scared of, like, um, being de in their situation. And they're scared of being ostracized and getting the stigma in, in the society that they're in. And so it's very difficult for her to admit the different levels of you know trauma that she suffered and and the and the violation of the military sexual trauma was a big thing for her to really move through but you know combined with, combined with some other people helping her she was able to move through a lot of this and uh, but going back to the the male thing you know it is it, it is you know we when i grew up similar to you you know my, my dad was big jim christensen spear fisherman champion of the world and seriously I mean he was and he would dive into the middle of the ocean and and come up with the tuna you know which is with a mask and snorkel so as a 12 year old I remember him taking me out to go lobster diving at night near the breakwater in Long Beach and he just jumps out of the boat in the middle of the night and he expects me to jump out of the boat and tube 10 for him and everything (laughs) and I was scared shitless and I was telling a friend of mine this and there was a fine line between this I was telling a friend of mine this and she's like, oh, my gosh, your dad traumatized you. But I'm kind of like thinking, no, he helped me grow a pair. So did he traumatize me or did I grow a pair? I don't know. So.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of growth happens with trauma and with tragedy. It's hard to grow as a person when things are going great you know what I mean when you got a bunch of money and and you're having sex and you're having a you have a new car and all that's hard to be like man this sucks (laughs) you know you're not gonna grow you know uh and and it is we we grow up with these at least I did too with this you know my that's how dads teach you how to swim they literally throw you in the pool and they're like
1: figure it out or don't but dinner's at four so (laughs) You know, I'm actually, you know, I'm actually glad he did, you know, he did it the way he did it. But, you know, it's interesting because you touched on something really important is like that turning point with trauma. Are you going to turn it into, are you going gonna to turn it into a positive or are you going to like make it, make it a, a huge negative in your life? And that's, that's where I see what the people that participate in my films, the ones that are, you know, successful, I guess you would say, in creating life after the trauma are the people that have really really worked through it and and then they've yeah. turned it into a positive because the way you can turn a trauma into a positive is go help somebody else that's went through the same thing and that's the most yeah. successful thing i see you know when i see these people do that and, uh, and 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 my films give them also a launching pad to help others to tell their story so others can hear them and aspirationally get uh, motivated to hopefully uh, hopefully find their own healing it, it, even yeah, if it's like, the same trauma yeah. or not so th- that's one of the greatest things about making my films that I get to see is people that see the films and and then turn their lives around
0: that relatability is so important. And again, just to, that fact of or just that feeling of being seen or that feeling of being heard is so important, especially when you're dealing with any type of trauma, you're right. And I'm sure my listeners are, are sick of me saying this. But you know, one of the, the reasons that I, I fell in love with that stupid app, TikTok, is it is a window into empathy. These you're seeing all walks of life in their homes, and these people are burying their souls in a minute or less, you know, uh, know, obviously, some of it is just stupid twerk videos or lip syncing or whatever. Sure. But if you if you dig past that, there are some really empathetic videos happening where these, you know, young adults and even older people are sharing their trauma. And, the comment section alone are filled with hundreds of thousands of people saying, thank you for sharing this. I can't believe I'm not alone on this. I thought I was the only one that felt this way, or I thought I was the only one dealing with this. And you, and you get to see not only that connection being made, but again, it's, it's a window into these people's lives that let you know that, Hey, they look just like me or, Hey, they, they're going through something like I did or, Hey, that's how I feel. And that's so important. And especially, when it comes to filmmaking, um, like you're doing, that's exactly what it is. It's it's allowing people to see themselves. Um, I'm all about, uh, you know, building less walls and putting up more mirrors. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> and, and what you're talking about is, it's a huge key factor is identification. And my films are built on the truth, which is what happened. It's the, you know, the raw story of the trauma and that's a very small part of it then it's built on the healing and the healing is what exactly you're talking about is identification it's like when they finally find out there's somebody else out there that's went through what they went through and they go oh me too so that isolation you know and you know we go back to the covid you know isolation is a killer in trauma and mental health and so that isolation gets shattered when you're like, there's somebody else like me. And then that's when they start the healing process. They start to um, different modalities of healing. I mean, it can be group therapy, it can be with their therapist, or it can be like one of my uh, guys in my film, Freddie, a pedal bike. I mean, he became one of the top three pedal bikers after losing his full leg in, uh, in Afghanistan. And uh, it it could become anything. So then that's the healing period. Then the third period is the hope, which we talked about. But this is in my definition in my films. The hope is when you get to a significant part of the healing, and then you're able to go back to the beginning of the line and go back to the people that are in truth, that have just went through their trauma and put your hand out and say, hey, you know what? The same thing happened to me. So can I, you know, I can help you. Yes. that's yes. that's the basic formula for my films
0: i think it's so important too that people realize that uh you know there there are no rules when it comes to healing from trauma and so like you like you brought up a great point that guy was pedal biking now that's not the traditional way that people are going to tell you to get better where they're like okay call a counselor set up a call you know me take a me yeah. go see somebody every week for an hour they're there are no rules. Help is help. Healing is healing. And if you find it, uh, you know, uh, cathartic to, to hike and do all that, then do that. Whatever yep. you to work on yourself is still counts. And I think, I think that's important to say is all that, you know, all that stuff you're doing still counts. It's still, it's still working towards the ultimate goal, which is getting better and healing and, and, and helping others eventually.
1: You know, I, re- I remember when we're working with Freddie and we're filming some sequences of him in his pedal bike, and uh, you know, he looked at me. He said, "Without this thing, I would be dead." Yeah, I'm like, "Wow, that's he's not he's not BSing me on that because no. you know, but you know, the, he had his therapy, he worked through the VA, but it was the key thing was getting out there on his pedal bike, and he's been kicking ass on that pedal bike ever since. I mean, it's gnarly, <laughs> <That's> right,
0: man. <laughs> So you you do talk to a lot of trauma survivors and a lot of people because um, this is, you know, you've uh, you did a, um, a film before with with war veterans um, and you have some, like you said, in this new film. So when you're speaking with them, uh, is there a certain way you have to talk to them and bring things up without triggering them into the PTSD or having an episode or, you know, something like that? Um how do you get around those those careful topics
1: you know i i think i think you talked about empathy you know and empathy is one of the empathy is very different than anything else don't confuse it with sympathy or anything else empathy is being able to very connect with somebody else's emotions and put yourself in their place and that's that's my gift and so that's been it's been key and and uh letting them open up the other thing is you know i went through my own traumas I, I i went through my own recovery god god put me in a place where my home burned down you know 30 years ago and that i did my first in the painted cave fire disaster in santa barbara with the 400 other homes and i did my first film called faces in the fire after that about the recovery after that fire so i know kind of what it's like to go through loss you know, and it's all different, but it's not, it's kind of the same. So that connection is a big deal, but for the layman, that's, uh, you know, that's coming in and their friend has went through trauma. The biggest thing is I call it holding space and being, and, and being transparent. It's just being there for them. The, these, these things that say, Oh, I understand. No, you don't understand. That's a stupid thing to say, you know, or, know. or at least this didn't happen. You know, it's like one of the best things to do is actually just say, you know, I'm here for you. And if you want to talk, let's talk. And you don't have to be an expert. But the, the art of holding space for somebody is creating an environment and a, and a transparency and a connection with them that's extremely empathetic. And it, it, it is a connection. You know, when I sit down and I, I work with these people and I interview them. You know, we have a very strong connection. Like I, I, I literally surf their thoughts with them, you know, and I don't lead them into anything. I just kind of start a conversation that just starts to flow. And I've been doing this now for 30 years. And it's, it's a big gift. And every time I sit down, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've never interviewed a mass shooting survivor. And it freaks me out. But God kind of takes control of the situation. When I sit down, my heart goes out to them and we just start going and it's like oh my gosh it's 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 happening again but to the but to the people out there that have people that have went through trauma and everything think about just the idea of holding space you're holding a space for them that, where they can come and be safe and you don't have to say anything that's that's the most amazing part you say man i really love you and it what you're telling me is amazing you know that you went through this and that's all you have to say i mean it's like it, people think they have to interject and give you advice and all this stuff you know it, it's not the, the best thing is is just to give an ear so they can like unload some of this yeah because and i think always the process
0: that, i think even that advice or that that wanting to solve problems it makes the uh makes the person feel worse you know because then it, they they feel like oh i i will why am I not doing it? I'm a fucking idiot, or I didn't think of that, or I'm a failure. It adds more pressure to that um, that idea of not being able to dig yourself out. And you know, when somebody's like, "Well, why don't you just try this?" and you're like. A, you've probably already thought about that 10,000 times, <laughs> you know, when I was going through a, a depression and my, and my good friend was, I was talking to him about it and how I didn't want to get out of bed some days and this and that. And he wasn't fully aware that I was really dealing with depression. And I, mean, I was in a dark place, but he didn't really know that. And so he would say things and give advice like, well, just get up or like try to exercise. do want you go for a run. And it's like, do you not think I haven't been laying in bed for two hours d- dying to get out of this fucking bed? <laughs> you think that, you think that I'm like choosing to just spend the afternoon <laughs> watching reruns of Frasier? Like that's what you think I, I'm doing today is like, that's my day? <laughs> like, no, of course I want to get out of this bed. and uh, And so, yeah, I think it makes people feel a lot worse. And I think you're right. Having just feeling seen or feeling heard is so important and just knowing that you can express those without judgment and without advice exactly
1: and you know and and just assuring the person you know you're there you know and uh and then when they do call then pick up (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) oh well i'm sorry that it was nine to five that i asked you about that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm at work great
0: <laughs> i'll uh, i'll wait to die in a couple hours when you're not busy so go no, go ahead i was just going to ask about this this new film you're working on unmasking hope and um what exactly uh this concept is because i think we all have heard the term here and there about this idea of, of masking your yourself right the, the face that we put on that lets everybody know that we're okay when we're not really okay. I compare it to like the telephone voice your mom has, you know, your mom could be yelling at you, <laughs> you know, from across the room, should be raining down hellfire. And as soon as the phone rings, she's like, hello, how are you? <laughs> it's that, it's that, you know, you're covering this depression or this rage or whatever's going on inside you with this face that says everything's great, you know? Um, is, can you talk a little bit about the the term masking and and this film uh, that you've you've built around unmasking?
1: You know that that's so funny. You mentioned the thing about, about your wife. My my wife is a real estate agent, and I remember when my daughter's uh, hamster died. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry about the hamster. And the phone rings and goes, hi, this is Kate. <laughs> but, you know, okay, but seriously, the thing about masking is, you know, the mask does serve a purpose. I mean, there is there is the, you know, the trauma survivor and the mental health individual, you know, that's going through difficulties, depression, whatever, anxiety. And, and the masks they put on, to take care of their kids, get up, make the sandwich, get them out, you know, and, and deal with society. And that, that mask works, you know, it, it's when the mask goes too far. It's when we lose ourselves behind that mask because we're we're so we're so deeply scarred by the trauma. And it's when that mask comes up and we have a hard time getting out from behind the mask. And a lot of times that mask drops when we find identification, find another one like us. You know, then we can talk, we can take the mask off. Somebody else understands, you know, the best the best thing is, you know, a vet to a vet, you know, a combat vet to a combat vet. A civilian isn't gonna be able to, you know, connect and that then that vet can take that mask off and, and the other one understands and they can talk about it. But it's when that mask, becomes part of you it it, it gets unhealthy and unmasking hope is exactly that it works on a different a lot of different levels but it's on taking that mask off and seeing the hope you know and uh it's not unmasking healing you know it's unmasking the hope because hope is the thing that keeps us running hope is hope is the future you know hope is faith is like i hope this happened for a reason you know, I hope there is a bigger plan. My higher power was something's going to come at this hope is in the future. And I hope and it's unmasking that hope. And this film is very different than my other you know, films that uh, it's not just a military film. It's people from all sorts of different walks of life and different traumas. And yes,
0: uh, that's what I was going to bring up it seems like it's I don't want to say less themed because there's still an overall theme to it but it's it's uh I I guess the word would be niche because the idea of you know the the other ones have been you know the fire victims the war veterans and now this seems to be a, a grab bag of of trauma do you want to share
1: some of the the people that you or the, some of the stories that you've
0: captured during this uh, Oh definitely
1: And it's interesting that you, you know, you see that. And when I did Searching for Home, Coming Back from War is one of my theses in the film was I, I, you know, I had like a dozen different people in the film that were interviewed, uh, different veterans from all different wars, you know, and in particular, you know, World War II I had a Korean War vet named Fat Cowboy out of Kansas, salt of the earth, Marine, Purple Heart. I mean, the guy was like the, the real deal. He was awesome. And, uh, and then I have this Sandra Lee, who's a female vet that, uh, out of New York that went to Iraq. And, uh, and again, she had PTSD and MST. And what did they have in common? You know, it's like, it's seemingly on the outside, they don't have a lot in common. And my thesis was that we're all telling the same story because we all have the basic um, arc of healing. Our soul has the basic arc of healing from trauma. And it's all, it's basically the same, but different stories. So when I was able to like, actually roll down that first cut of the film and see that everybody fit into place, that they were all telling the same story, but from their point of view, then I I knew I had nailed it. So then I wanted to take that a little bit further with Unmasking Hope and vary the traumas. So we have 9-11 survivors, we have mass shooting survivors, we have first responders, we have of course our veteran and we have sexual trauma survivors. and from what I can tell so far, it's the same thing. They're all telling the same story, but the traumas are really varied. But the other thing about this film, too, it's not so niche, exactly niche, whatever, but like you said, because it's going to reach a wider audience. More people are going to be able to connect with such a wider um, swatch of, of traumas. And oh, and then we have, we have, uh, Uh, 30 something year old man that was uh, sexually traumatized when he was six years old by one of his teachers that he trusted you know and so it's a huge breadth of different uh, different traumas the other thing too that is like really really intense and, and kind of intense on me too is I, I knew going into it what it would be like, but now I'm in post and I've read. It took me two weeks to go through all the transcripts, literally thousands of pages of all the interviews and everything. That it, it's very different when you didn't sign up for the trauma. You know, the mil, I got used to the military and everything, and I, not to take anything away from their trauma, but they they went to the military. You know, no, you're, yeah, you know, there's a certain we're going involved. to war. But um, yeah, yeah. when you're going to a country music concert, and it ends up being a war, it's a whole different thing. And it's a whole different thing for me emotionally as a filmmaker. It's a whole different thing to, for the obviously the survivors, and um, that's been like actually one of the most beautiful parts of this. Is you know a small story about this is um, the the two survivors of Route 91. It's a tradition i guess you would say a ritual more more is more uh, appropriate to collect a rock and paint it and take it back to the memorial in vegas the route 91 memorial and they were never going to go back to vegas and i met with them and, and made that connection you know somehow thank god that I, i'm able to make these connections and and we talked about doing this whole thing with the rocks they they got their therapists involved too so the therapist could walk along with them while they did this while we're doing this process for the film you know and um man we started up at a beach north of uh santa barbara that i used to surf at it's, to me it's a very spiritual place yeah and man. they felt the energy when we we're down there and and we're they're looking for their rocks and we try to keep the camera real low-key because it's really about them first and their journey, and um, my producer's like, oh my gosh, look at the dolphins, and I've been there, I've served there all my life practically, and I've never seen a dolphin jump out of the water, like 10 feet in the air, do the little flip and come back, and it was just like, it was magical, wow. but we got those rocks, they painted them, and we we're able to go back to Las Vegas with them to place some rocks in the memorial during COVID, Vegas was a weird place during COVID, we, we can talk about that. Vegas is weird anyways. Right. But so anyways, but we went back to the 9-11 memorial and I can, I got to say it was one of the more moving things that I've been able to do um, with the survivors. And I've been able to do a lot of amazing things and the biggest compliment we got, you know, afterwards is they said, you know, i never felt like the camera was there and I was never going to go back to Vegas, but I'm so happy. I was able to go back, pay my respects and uh, put those rocks down there. So, you know, yeah. that's kind of how I get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. I mean, that, at, you know, I, that, and I've been able to go to the 9-11 memorial with uh, a walk there with a uh, first responder to look for the names of his men on the 9-11 memorial. And I've been able to go to the wall in Washington, D.C. with uh, a Vietnam vet that was very, very close to me and go do rubbings of one of the men he lost that was on the wall. So, being part of somebody's healing like that is so powerful. So,
0: yeah, and I think, you know, going full circle in our conversation here, you know, healing is that idea of going back to normal. And a lot of times it is just being okay in the spaces where you were hurt the most. You're talking about returning to these places that have uh, damaged these people for the rest of their lives. And, you know, going back to the idea of the pandemic it is going back to quote unquote normal again when we went from spraying Windex on our mail (laughs) to you know you know uh, you know my girlfriend and I were wearing dish gloves at the grocery store in the first couple weeks you know like but now you know everything's loose and and going in and integrating back into public again gathering with friends you know the mass mandates are coming down now and stuff like that. Like going back to this idea of normal after being hurt or traumatized. Um, that's, that's what the healing is, is being okay. You know, like you're talking about this, this country, uh, the, the person that, that was in the mass shooting at, at the country concert, like being able to go to a concert again is a huge fucking deal for them. And it might not be, and that's, that's where the empathy comes in where, you know, I don't think twice about going, you know, somebody like me would be like, yeah, let's go to a concert or whatever. This is life altering for them. And to have that empathy and to shine a light on it and say, listen, I see you, I hear you, and I want I want you to be okay with this again and enjoy this and, and be okay with it. That's, that's what real healing looks like.
1: You know, we, we have this, uh, this woman out of um, a doctor out of Columbia University, Dr. Catherine Shears, and she talks about incorporating the trauma into your life successfully. You know, it's not forgetting it and putting it and, and like putting it away, it's about incorporating it. And so these rituals of things going to the wall, you know, for the Vietnam veterans. Um, that's, that's why these, these, um, memorials are so important going to the memorial for the ni- uh, Route 91 and then 9-11 and then observing, you know, we have the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 incident coming up. And, uh, you know, it just, it's amazing to see how much it still affects the individuals, you know, and, and that whole idea of the worst thing you can say to them is, you know, can't, aren't you over it yet? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Sorry yeah I'm not but uh, but it, it, that that more the, the memorializing it, integrating into your life and not just trying to cut it out is is key to the healing and then it's you know it is part of my life it is part of me and also the other side of that is not only the memorials and everything but going and, and, and working with other people that have went through the same trauma. That's the ultimate in healing then.
0: yeah. One of the, the best quotes I heard is after my mom passed. I was listening to NPR, and this guy was talking about losing his parents, and he was talking about losing his his mother, and he said, um, "God, I wish I could remember his name." But he said, uh, "He said it'll never, it'll never not hurt. It'll just hurt less." Yep. And that's exactly what it feels like—is carrying it with me. It's never not gonna hurt. I'm never not gonna feel the way I do about losing her and all that stuff. I just, it doesn't hurt as often. And, uh, and that's, that's what I feel like trauma is. It's not ignoring it. It's not pushing it down. It's not deleting it from your memory. It's still carrying it with you, but carrying it with you in the right ways. And I think exactly. that, yep. yeah, carrying that weight is so important. Figuring out what to let go of and and what to keep is, is so important because I, you know, I don't want to forget that she passed because that would go along with forgetting her and all this stuff. And again, you know, growth comes with trauma and et cetera, et cetera. And so these things that have happened have been terrible and and awful. Yes, of course, but the things that have come from it, the growth that has come from it and all that stuff, like these can be positive things. And it's all about, again, what you were saying earlier, what you do with it and, and how you help others deal with, with the weight that they're carrying.
1: You know, it's interesting. I was talking to a good friend of mine and, um, you know, he, he, I don't know how many times he's had cancer, but he's not doing real well, but he's a very spiritually fit man. And he was telling me about joy is not the same happiness because there's a certain amount of joy in the fact that you can grieve your mom. Right. Because we're alive and we had that time, you know, and uh, it's it's a hard place to get to, you know. And uh, and the joy is not necessarily being happy, but it's it's, it's inner peace, and and uh, a little bit of a lighter serenity. I'm not sure right. that comes with with that. And I and I see I see it in, you know, some of the some of the trauma survivors I work with that are a little bit further along in healing. And I hate it, I hate to put a quantitative like, oh, they're further along, but they, some people are. And, uh, you know, the, one of the one of the, um, 9-11 uh, first responders, you know, Jack Delaney, and you know, where he's found his niche, he's become the matriarch to all these people that were affected by 9-11. I I'm mean, the matriarch, the patriarch, I'm sorry. If <laughs> you heard that, he's going to kick my butt. Uh, the patriarch he's you know he's he's this figure that they can all go to you know a lot of a lot of the men that were uh uh in the uh paramedic squads and things that were underneath him are able to now just reach out to him and that Mm -hmm. that serves him now and his healing. And uh, Jack, sorry about calling you a mom years dad. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I had such a great time talking with you. And I know that your film is not finished yet. I'm so looking forward to seeing it. It's called Unmasking Hope. Do you want to tell people, because uh, you, you're still raising funds to finish it. It's such a beautiful project. Do you want to tell people where they can uh, find out how uh, they can help finish the film?
1: There, there's two places you can go to. Uh, we, we're working underneath uh, the fiscal sponsorship program with the International Documentary Association so you can look it up through the international documentary association unmasking hope or you can go to unmasking and click on the donation button and uh, it is a we're underneath the 501c3 umbrella and uh and we're we're right there we're in the red zone you know we're finishing this thing up and then we're looking for the funding for distribution and what you call outreach. So we can take the idea of the film into communities.
0: And where can people uh, find your other films?
1: My other films, you can go to ecproductions.com. And it has, it's just a clearinghouse of all my stuff and, and the podcasts, this podcast will be on there. And, uh, and, uh, but you can see my other work going dating back to 30 years ago when I did faces of the fire and homecoming of Vietnam vets journey and then searching for home coming back from war. Again, searching for home coming back from war is on iTunes if you want to take a look.
0: Perfect. Well, I appreciate you talking with me today.
1: It was awesome, Michael. Thank you.
0: so much for listening to home alone i of course have been your host michael malone You can find me on Twitter, at Malone Comedy, or Instagram, at Malone Comedy. Uh, You can check out my brand new comedy special, Wait and See. It's streaming right now for free on YouTube or at MaloneComedy.com. I've also added some tour dates, so if you want to come see a live show, I will be at Laughs in Tucson the first weekend of June, and then following that, uh, in the middle of June, I'll be headlining the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, So come see me there. Uh, You can check out more about Eric Christensen at ecproductions.com or you can find out more about his new upcoming film, Unmasking Hope, at unmaskinghope.com. Thanks for listening.